25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, hey, what's up? That's how you turn a microphone on right there. <laughs> first part of the Homecoming Queen interview at the end of the first hour, I didn't even have her mic turned on the radio. Roger, you know about how all those bot- buttons work, don't you? Like you can hear it yeah. in one ear and can't hear it on the radio, right? Like I didn't have one twisted over here. It's a semi-complicated setup we got. It is. Somebody texted in. Antonio texted in and said, we can't hear her. Thanks for the heads up. Somebody else texted in and said, is her mic on? Is this thing on? Somebody said, we can't hear her. Fluffy texted in and said, she's not coming through on the radio. Jiggle the plug. (laughs) Hey, what are the old fixes for electronics we grew up with, Roger? One, jiggle the plug. Slap it. Number two, slap it. Just hit it. Yeah. Or like Andy Griffith in the movie No Time for Sergeants, where he was on an airplane. He had to operate the radio because the other guys got knocked out. (laughs) And he said, just spit in the back of it and womp it. (laughs) Womp it. That's what he did. So he spit in the back of it, took his fist, and bam, hit it. And it worked. I learned by accident that at least uh, several years ago, there's a place on a Coke machine where you could kick it. Mm-hmm. And it would uh, dispense whatever you wanted. <laughs> you learned it by accident. Well, I, I was taking karate at the time, <laughs> and this thing, and I was a student, and I was very poor, mm-hmm. and, and I saw all the money I had, and I wanted that Coca Cola really bad. You really wanted it. it so we had been working on front kicks, and so I did a front kick. <laughs> Boom! Make selection. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, well, I had money, and at that time, I wonder if it works without money. Boom! Make selection. <laughs> well, and you know what it sounds like to me? Like somebody... That doesn't work anymore, people. Don't go hurt yourselves. <laughs> it sounds like one of those things, like somebody puts a, a coin in or whatever, and it gets stuck, and you kicked yeah. it, and it went on down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very interesting. All right, welcome back into the show on the um, on Hump Day this week. In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, Farm Bureau Insurance. Your local agents are your home team. And we are connected to you. We stay connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, where they are customer-inspired. And a preview of this Georgia-Notre Dame game, that's just interesting. It's just fun. Fun. Big-time non-conference stuff like that, you don't see it very much. Never seen it before in my lifetime prior to 2017. Georgia playing Notre Dame. So uh, more on that coming up. 
when Annabeth, my wife, the homecoming queen, was here a little bit ago, we talked about Missouri. She never, th- she just will not accept that Missouri is in the SEC. She says they shouldn't be, and we should have gotten, in her words, Clemson um, in the SEC instead. And Mac texted in and said South Carolina blocked the Clemson thing. And I think, yeah, I mean, South Carolina came into the league in 92. At this point, would you love to have Clemson? Yeah. But it was kind of like Florida State. You were never, as a Southeastern Conference, ever going to go get Florida State into your league because Florida has um, the rights to that territory as the SEC school there. And a school like Florida is never, ever going to agree that Florida State, that rival that's now a non-conference, they're still playing them, but they're never going to agree that they ought to be in the same conference. That'll never happen. And so South Carolina would have the same approach with Clemson every time, no doubt. But if you look where they did expand over the last 30 years, Arkansas, no previous team. South Carolina, no previous team. Texas, nope, no previous team. That was This is in 2014 or 12, whenever it was. And then Missouri, no previous team. So expanding into territories that you don't already have teams. We have to remember that the next time the idea of conference expansion and stuff comes up. It was exactly the opposite when the, the conference was formulated. I mean, you had mm-hmm. Auburn, Alabama, and State, and Ole Miss. Was well, not that uncommon, right? How mm-hmm. many states? How many? How many schools in the SEC have? They double up. Yeah, we got ten, two schools in Tennessee, right? Two in Mississippi, two in Alabama, and. Uh, and, 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 but, well, but initially, didn't you have Georgia and Georgia Tech? Wasn't Georgia Tech in the SEC initially? And and then also Swanee. And then at one point, Tulane was in the SEC. Uh, I'd have to go back and look up the history on that. But you're right. Uh, that Initially, it was fine, but it was so much different then. Yeah, I mean, it was just so much different. Let's see. Former members in the SEC. That would be Sewanee, the University of the South, Georgia Institute of Technology, the Ramlin Rec from Georgia Tech, and Tulane. All three of those schools joined the SEC in 1932, which is the first year of the conference. They were original members. Sewanee, Mississippi A&M. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. They were A&M. Uh, Sewanee left the SEC in 1940, so they were an 18... No, I'm sorry, an eight-year member of the conference. Bad move, Sewanee. Bad move. Georgia Tech left the league in 1964. Dum, dum, dum. So they were a 32-year member of the league. And then it wasn't t- paying very good back then. I am sure it wasn't. And then Tulane left in 66, so they were a 34-year member. So how about the 60s? Georgia yeah, Tech. Sewanee was known as the University of the South. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Sure did. The University of the South. Sure were. Oh, the Sewanee left because in football they'd become a doormat. Okay. They were tired of it. That's according to Saturday Down South. Yeah. 
Yeah, somebody texts on the text line that nowadays the restart, you just restart it. Any kind of technology, just restart it. Like I have dish, and, and sure enough, like the official instructions, anytime there's a dish problem, restart the Joey and go in there and reboot the DVR. That'll fix it. Uh, Antonio says a quarter on a string still works on the Coke machines. How do you put a quarter on a string? Just drill a hole in it. Drill a hole in it, huh? Somebody got to throw the weight off. Yeah, seems like it would, huh? Raider Nation on the text line says this. I am from St. Louis and can confirm, no, we don't consider ourselves a part of the South either. It is a big sports market for TV, but not so much for football. We're a baseball town, 100%. I've had friends, you know, in college and everything from Missouri, from St. Louis in the area, and yep, baseball. Baseball and hockey. They're not big football fans. Although University of Missouri, they got, what, a 70,000-seat stadium? There's plenty of people. Um, also, unnamed texture says that they are disappointed Annabeth didn't give the Vicksburg cheer. V-I-C-K-S-B-U-R-G. Vicksburg, Vicksburg. <laughs> My rhythm's <laughs> off, but that's what they do. And then the uh, same text. How's it go again, Matt? It's V-I-C-K-S-B-U-R-G. Vicksburg, Vicksburg. I got Pretty it. good. <laughs> she taught it to me. Thanks for doing that in the clear. I, I, <laughs> I, can, get, I can get that edited easier. <laughs> there you go. Put it in there, man. That's fine. Uh, same texture said that I wish Virginia Tech had come in. But they filed a lawsuit to get into the ACC at the fall of the Big East. This is an alumni of state and Virginia Tech. Yeah, Virginia Tech would fit. You'd get into Virginia, but you're right. They were kind of hamstrung because of the whole tie into the ACC that they worked so hard for. Tony Joe reminds us on the text line that Tulane won an SEC championship. They were in the league for 32 years from the 1930s to the 1960s, and they won one at some point. But You know, you, gotta, you have to wonder that – do they? I mean – People at Georgia Tech, Tulane, they have to look back at their past leadership and say, man, really? Could have been in the SEC right now. If you really got the truth out of them, that's what they would say. All right, on the phone, 995-1059. It's the Divinity Equipment phone line. John listening in Jackson. What's up, John? Hey, man. How you doing today, buddy? Just right. Hope you're well. Uh, this isn't exactly why I call it. I hate to sound like Gator Man, but, uh, uh, talking about Swanee, you know who the head coach, uh, Swanee was back then? Tell me, I don't know. Shirley Majors. Johnny Majors' father. Is that right? Yes, sir. How about that? So, Johnny, Ma- so that family deeply tied yeah. into the SEC, and I did not realize that. Yeah, and uh, Johnny had a son, Bobby, that played at Tennessee, too, back in the, 70s, I guess it was. Yeah, you know. But uh, have, I was have gonna... you seen the uh, the Saturday Down South they're doing with you know with 150 years and everything on ESPN? Um, I have not seen like it history yet. History of the SEC. Yeah, um, okay. I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard good things though. Yeah, well, save it up and be you know, watch it. <laughs> yeah, I told you a while back. I, I was always confused because 
you know, my grandfather coached at state in the forties and they went to the orange bowl. So I always assumed they won the SEC that year until I saw the picture in the attic that had 41 on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't win the SEC in 40, but they went to the orange bowl. So in 41, they won the SEC. They went to a bowl in California, but it wasn't the Rose bowl. They never did say it was, who it was okay. like San Francisco or something. But the whole point of the story was, I guess that, game was December 6th, 1941, okay. and, and December 7th, 1941, State was in L.A., Los Angeles, when okay. Pearl Harbor was attacked. I never knew that. So they were in California when Pearl Harbor was attacked. How about that? I didn't know that either. And, and I would imagine, I John, that there's some confusion as people have started to learn the history, because we always hear about the 1941 team. Right. You know, yeah, I was too. But, but they always say... They always kind of call it the Orange Bowl team, but you're saying the Orange Bowl was the year before. Yeah, we didn't win the SEC. We tied, I hate to say it, I think they said we tied Ole Miss or somebody. Okay. <laughs> I think Tennessee won it that year. But uh, Very interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yes, cool. You know, you bring up Johnny Majors, um, great coach at Tennessee in the 80s, 90s, part of the 90s. Um, right. And – I got to meet him. I say I did. We all kind of did as a team when I was at Mississippi State. Got to meet him and hear from him. I know of at least one time. I think it was maybe only one time because he and Coach Cheryl had a good relationship with each other. And I think it went right. went back to Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. And um, and I didn't know either. Um, you know, I told him Johnny Major played for my grandfather at Tennessee, but when JB had his show, I called him one time. Turns out JB grew up down the street from Johnny Majors when he was assistant at state. How about that? Yeah. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. You know, the yeah. rumor is we never see him, but the rumor is that once about once a year, coach majors just slips into town in Starkville, comes <laughs> to a game, kind of just eases around doesn't see a lot of people and then just watches the game in Starkville and goes back home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's I what, wouldn't doubt it a bit. Yeah, that's what we hear. Good stuff. Appreciate the phone call, John. All right, man. Thank y'all. Yeah, thank you. I can't ever even hear Coach Major's name without thinking about just the uh, what is kind of considered, you know, the dirty deed of the the stab in the back and all that kind of stuff going on with Philip Fulmer to get the head coaching job, to get Johnny Majors out of there. You know, and hey, look, I mean, to Philip Fulmer's credit, he did something with it, right? When he got the job, late 90s, uh, right after Peyton Manning graduated. I'd say you win a lot of college games if Peyton Manning is your quarterback. But right after he graduated with T. Martin, they won a, a national championship, beat Florida State, you know. So, to his credit, he had things going for about a decade, but a lot of folks that were familiar with a lot of that stuff weren't all that sad when they saw it kind of come tumbling down for what they facetiously refer, or who they facetiously refer to as the great pumpkin, uh, Philip Fulmer. Because Majors seemed like a good guy, highly thought of. <clears throat> Walt. Sewanee won a few SEC championships. Did they really? I didn't realize that. We'd have to look it up and see. I'm, I trust you. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, I trust you. Um, yeah, and you would think 
Let's see. Tiger David says, has Mississippi State ever won an SEC championship? Surely they have if Tulane has. And I think that's what we're talking about. It was either – I think it was the 1941 season. Isn't it? The 41 season? I mean, so you're talking about a long time ago. But there was some confusion there on whether the Orange Bowl was for the 1940 team at the end of the year or at the end of the 41 year. And John, who has a you know family tie to that era, says that the Orange Bowl was after the 1940 season and that after 41 they went to a game in uh, California. I need to get familiar with that. I need to know that. I need to read it and study it and know for sure. It's just something I haven't done. The Mississippi State Maroons. The Maroons? Yeah. Yeah. Representing Mississippi State College. Uh-huh. They called it Mississippi State College. That's another thing I was not really aware of. I knew for a while they were Mississippi A&M. I didn't know they ever went by Mississippi State College. What would you be, MST? I mean, M- MSC, if you were Mississippi State College? I like MSU better. Winslow, hanging out over here on the phone line, Divinity Equipment phone line. What's up, Winslow? Hey, Matt, that game, December 6, 41, in San Francisco was a regular season game. Okay. Uh, I, I actually have a program from it. And, uh, it uh, talks about Mississippi State being one of the finest teams in the South and so on and everything. But the team was obviously still on the West Coast the next day when, when news came to Pearl Harbor. And uh, if you know the mood back then, you know, it compelled a lot of people to immediately go and enlist, and that's what happened to State's team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were not able to send a team to a bowl game, and, and a lot of people feel like that Alabama took the cotton ball that State probably would have gone to. I see. And Winslow, again, um, someone, I guess it was it was John or Roger or one of the other, they brought up the um, this – kind of historical documentary series they're showing on the SEC Network, uh, Saturdays in the South. I haven't seen it. I've heard a lot about it. But I heard someone talking about it, that they had seen a – and it, actually I think it was Peter Burns who, who mentioned that he had watched one of the episodes and that until then he didn't know this story about Bear Bryant. But what you're talking about is – he was a, the story I think that he related was that Bear Bryant was in his car or in a car headed to a job interview or somewhere for a coaching job, maybe in Arkansas or something, and heard the news of Pearl Harbor and turned the car around, went and enlisted in the Navy, I think it was. And, and yeah, so that would kind of fit that time frame. And plus, the, like you say, the mood that you're talking about. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was true back then. I'll tell you a little bit of trivia. I have a Letterman sweater from one of the players who was on that Orange Bowl team, the 1940 team. Yeah. And I've even got some pictures that I got off the Internet a few years ago of them practicing down there and everything. He was a lineman, and that sweater is a size medium. It just gives it gives you an idea of kind of, you know, the size of the players back then, that one of the offensive linemen actually wore a medium sweater. Isn't that something? Yeah, and you know when you ever, whenever you get a hold of some of the old black and white video of football in the '30s and '40s, and you know the no face face mask era, you're struck by how they're all skinny, right? I mean, even the linemen, mm-hmm. 
yeah, they're all skinny and and everything. So it's it's interesting how that works. Um, it just over time, generationally, each generation either grows a little bit or gets a little heavier or gets a little taller or gets a little faster. And it makes you wonder, uh, when is it all going to end? Or is there some kind of stopping point down the road? I don't know, but you're right. You know, you look at Winslow in the 1980s, which to me and you, that's not that long ago, right? Right. In the 1980s, there were a lot, a lot, most of the starting offensive linemen in the SEC were 255 to 265 pounds. Am I right? Kid Hall. Yeah. That's right. He wasn't that big when he got to state. That's right. In college, you know, the linemen in the 80s were 265 pounds. And then a decade later in the mid-90s, state had an offensive line that averaged about 320, the biggest in the country. And now everybody has that. And when I say everybody, I'm talking all 127 Division One FBS teams and a whole bunch of FCS teams all have lines averaging 300 pounds. It's crazy how it's changed. Winslow, really appreciate your information and the phone call. Thank you. Call me anytime. On the Divini phone. Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Rolling along, Hour 2 on Hump Day. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Talking about I can't believe that I halfway fouled up the Homecoming Queen's first appearance on the show, Roger, on uh, the Zoom. You mean the, the audio thing? Yeah. Or not having her on camera? Well, yeah, the audio thing. Okay. And she's sitting there talking for like three minutes before I see the messages and see your text that nobody can hear her on the radio. Like, you know. She's not going to want to work with us, clowns. I tell you what. Unprofessional clown. Unprofessional people. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. We'll we'll have the homecoming queen back on again at some point. And then took you uh, want to talk her back into it. Yeah, I know. Well, and then she told me I was interrupting her lunch. I'm gonna get uh, Mary Liddy half pint back in here to uh, do some more picks. At some point this week. Of course, I'll be with you tomorrow, Roger, there in the studio on my way to Vicksburg for tomorrow night's football study dinner at the Anthony. There well, you know, while you're um, having her do the picks, you might want to go ahead and let her start doing your picks on our our tailgate pick them. That way you'll have a reason that you're yeah tied for last. Well, I think ben and, I, ben and I are loving the fact that the producers are right. outscoring the hosts. Well, I think part of the reason I'm last is I didn't do any picks last week. I forgot them. Oh, okay. Thought you did some. I thought I did too. I just smooth forgot to go in there and do it. So, you know, when you don't pick like seven games, that kind of puts you behind the eight ball. 
Idiot. Dad, Gavin, I just couldn't remember it. Well, you've got a good excuse. I asked Jake if he was using an hourglass, and he denied. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, go, yeah. Hey, Jake. <laughs> uh-huh. How much do you believe in that hourglass, buddy? If he bets with it. Exactly. Well, and Roger, that's like everybody making all these picks, and they do it against the spread, right? Because that's a cool thing to do. I remember several years ago on another not-to-be-named radio show, I was going to do just pick winners of college games and NFL games just for fun. You know, like Nacho Libre says, East for fun. I was going to make some picks just for fun, pick the winners. And then I was kind of made fun of and everything because, oh, that's easy. You know, like people want to hear it against the spread so they can gamble and all this kind of stuff. Okay, fine. That's what people want. Well, let me ask you something. All these people that are giving you gambling picks against the spread, how many of them are willing to go put down their paycheck on these picks against the spread? Let's find out how much you really believe in this sucker. Because I'm telling you, I don't have anything riding on it the way I do picks, picking the winners. And I really believe in my picks. <laughs> Jake, do your picks based on the hourglass. You hear me, Jake? <clears throat> Tune in to the gridiron. With- <laughs> Accidental play there. We're just having a, a good technical day. We're here. having a great day. Yeah, we really are. Uh, the text line at 885-ESPN. Can the homecoming queen be a regular awesome comments and sounds pretty? She is pretty, Tiger David. And we're just going to stop that conversation right here. See, that's another thing about putting your wife on camera is people start, you never know what people are going to say. And they start. I think they'll be they'll be nice or else. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right now. She does sound awesome. And and she's she's one of those, if I can get her to be herself, and you, the only way you get to be yourself on a microphone or on camera is by doing it a lot so that the newness and the intrusiveness of it kind of wears off and you just loosen up. And it takes some people a long time. It took me a long time. Well, and the I same say, thing with the camera. You know, got to pretend like it's not there. And that's so hard to do. The camera part of it's even worse. But if I can get her to be herself, everything she says is funny. Pretty much everything she says is funny. Even when she doesn't realize it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she'll be a regular. We'll, we'll do it more often. Because, look, I'm just telling you, I believe it. Uh, two ideas I have for her, and, and she has yet to buy in. But one is she needs to be doing radio, either that or doing a show with me, because she just has the voice and the personality. It would be just she's just made for it. She hasn't bought into that idea yet. The other thing is I told her, is she should be doing a regular podcast where they cover and talk about and discuss things they see in these movies they see on the Hallmark Channel, a podcast dedicated to Hallmark Channel for fans of the Hallmark Channel, mostly women, but not all. And it would be gangbusters. It'd have a million downloads. So many people want it. There's nothing like that out there. And she's seen all the... Look, these movies come on, and she'll go... Oh, I've seen this one. And I'll say, okay, you want to change it? No, no, no. Let's watch it. I like it. Yeah. Now, what's the what's the formula over there at Hallmark? Is family good and wholesomeness and that kind of thing? Number one. And good-looking good people. Number one, Roger. 
Well, the overall idea is that you can have your kids in the room when the commercials come on, and you don't have to worry about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about how ridiculous it is that, yes, even on network television, ABC, NBC, CBS, that kind of stuff, certainly channels that show interesting movies, FX, and some of these, you can't have your kids watching during the commercials. Comedy Central, we like The Office. Well, they show The Office Marathon. I can't have my eight-year-old daughter in the room during commercials on Comedy Central. I mean, which is ridiculous. Hallmark Channel, you even don't Even the commercials are bad? The commercials are awful on these things. Uh, the promos for a lot of the shows are awful. Heaven help you if one of those roast promos rolls around. Exactly. But, um, but on Hallmark Channel, everything from advertising to content is totally wholesome. It's totally fine. There's zero um, profanity. All that is this based on the Hallmark card brand? I, I guess. I mean, it's the same logo. Who knew they'd be making more money in TV than cards, yeah. probably. Yeah, but everything you get there, everything you get on the Hallmark Channel, number one, it's the best-looking people you've ever seen. It's all the best-looking people in the world, really. <laughs> Men and women, they get them all on the Hallmark Channel. Number two, a lot of actors and actresses that you know that you've seen over the years uh, they got plenty of money to hire these people for sure. Okay, but the themes always will involve Christmas, a bakery, and a vineyard, <laughs> and a dog. Okay, always. And then a lot maybe of times, a cat, when, a random cat. Yeah, maybe a cat, but seldom. It's mostly. It's like dogs. everything is tested to be. What's the most popular? This is the most popular actor. This is the most popular mm-hmm. breed of dog. This is the most popular business boutique business to own that's right they've got it all figured out they've got it all figured out so when the wife is happy she's watching hallmark hallmark channel when she's mad it goes to lifetime well that's a good point if i ever catch her watching lifetime stuff i'm gonna start looking over my shoulder (laughs) lifetime is all about get the man get him (laughs) get him exactly and that's what i hadn't heard it summed that way but that's it during the first 10 or 12 years of the existence of the Lifetime Channel, though all their good movies involved the uh, woman who played on Little House on the Prairie after she grew up. She was the main character in most of their movies. All right, here we go. Text line, Max says, yeah, back, in, the, Anderson, back in those days, the players played both ways. You know, back in the 40s, 50s, that's it. Linemen are playing offense and defense, everything. Fred on the text line says, several of the state players went to Duke and played there when football was canceled due to the war, and most were in the Marine ROTC. I didn't know that. Let me look some of that up. Read it. Uh, Walt says he was mistaken about Sewanee winning an SEC championship. He said uh, they appeared to win the Southern Intercollegiate Conference Championship a few times, but not the SEC. Somebody texted in and said, there's a lot of weirdos out there, Matt. Don't put her on camera. (laughs) And I will. I will. uh, I'll see you next time if we can get the homecoming queen to do the Vicksburg cheer on the air. Maybe. Maybe, just maybe. All right. Next, before we get out of time here on Hump Day, it's time, since it is Hump Day, to flip the page. Go ahead and look ahead to the coming weekend and, and start that process. Let's do it next. Times and kicks and TV and all that kind of stuff and, uh, a short preview here on the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. 
You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show, live in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are the home team at Farm Bureau. Hometown heroes. That is Farm Bureau. Give them a chance if you haven't already. I promise you, you'll be glad you did. Farm Bureau Insurance. Favorites.com, a good place to go and get started. Favorites.com. So we're going to look at some of the games, when and where, okay, um, for this weekend. You you know if, if it's your team, but you may not be aware of some of the others. A lot of times those kind of slip through the cracks here. So let me tell you who, what, when, and where. You ready? Everybody ready? Here we go. Starting with the early games. 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPNU. Cal versus Ole Miss. In fact, uh, what is Cal ranked? I think I saw in one poll the Bears were ranked 23rd. And, uh, you know, I tell you, some of the folks on the SEC Network, it could be, I mean, it could be a homer pick because it is the SEC Network. But generally those folks, Jordan Rogers, those guys, some of the analysts, they're not there, you know, to they have no – reason to be homers and and they have to kind of protect their credibility so they're not going to make a an egregious pick just because it's an SEC team versus a non-conference. But some of them saying, you know, Cal may be right for the upset here. I think if you look in some places Ole Miss might even be favored by a little bit. I mean, and if they pull this off, what a heck of a job, right? To go from no offense and a loss in the opener to Memphis to Completely 180 on offense. They've been good the last two games. Two wins in a row, two to one, two and one. Offense gave up some points last week, but it's tough, you know. And then hosting a top 25 team who is three and oh. And if you pull that off. Um, so anyway, 11 a.m. game, ESPNU. Yeah, Cal is ranked uh, 23rd. 11 a.m. On the SEC Network, fourth-ranked LSU at Vanderbilt. I got an idea here. Instead of just saying it, let me see if I can find the song to accompany the team. Why not do that, Matt? Fight for LSU. So LSU, (laughs) SEC Network, 11 a.m., they're four and oh, big old favorite, like a four or a three and a half, four touchdown favorite, whatever it is over Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's 0 and two. You know, and I was looking at the stats this week. If you look at if you look at offensive statistics in the SEC, LSU is number one. They've scored 165 points through uh, three games. Vanderbilt's only played two games. They've scored 30 points. <laughs> the thing about the difference there, in one team it's 
put 165 up on the board through three games. The other team scratched for 30 points. Of course, Vandy will be at home. Uh, so there's that. What do you have? Tennessee and Florida. Now, I'm just playing Rocky Top because I like the song better. Tennessee at Florida. Florida's ranked ninth in the country. They are 3-0. and They have not looked great, but, man, they just win, don't they? Down to their backup quarterback, Felipe Franks, out for the year. Tennessee got its first win last week. 11 a.m. on ESPN. It'll follow game day. Tennessee at Florida. Uh, and how about this? So BYU beats Tennessee in Knoxville. Close game went to overtime. It, Tennessee's 0-2. Woe is them. Everybody making fun. But then BYU turns around, goes to USC, or hosts USC, the Trojans, and beat them last week. So it's possible BYU's a little better. And Tennessee, after they just kind of exploded on Chattanooga, maybe Tennessee's a, not as bad as people think. And that's what um, – Dan Mullen said in the press conference stuff, they're not as bad as people are making them out to be. And um, Florida, two-touchdown favorite in that one. Those are your 11 a.m. games in the SEC. At 2.30 on CBS, it is, who do we have? Auburn at Texas A&M. Auburn at Texas A&M. Where's my War Eagle? I used to have that. We'll do Tiger Rat here. Auburn at Texas A&M. Auburn's ranked eighth. A&M's ranked seventeenth. Auburn has not lost. They're three and zero. A&M is two and one. They're only lost to Clemson. A&M slightly favored, maybe a little better than a field goal in the game. Two thirty CBS game, but it's a doubleheader on CBS this weekend. You don't get this, but like a couple times throughout the year. So even though it's a 2.30 CBS game, you're not going to have Gary Danielson and that crew. This is Carter Blackburn, Rick Neuheisel, Aaron Murray, and John Schriffen. I don't know who that is. So just keep that in mind. So look at the different. It will be on CBS, same time you always kind of expect it to be. Top 25 matchup. Top 20 matchup, in fact. Then at 3 o'clock on the SEC Network, it is Mississippi State hosting Kentucky. And, you know, the thing about that is uh, it's hard to tell, and people kind of jumped all over it when this came out, that State was better than a touchdown favorite. Oh, they're better than a touchdown favorite, according to Las Vegas. Okay, good for them. It, it doesn't necessarily have an impact on the game, and, and it just kind of tells you maybe what the way people may bet that thing. Kentucky and State ought to, if they play up to their potential wherever they play it, ought to play a close game if if, he, if both teams play. Now, Kentucky's on a backup quarterback, Sawyer Smith, but he's, he threw it around pretty well, I thought, last week uh, against Florida. For State, doesn't it offensively just kind of feel like it just really does depend on Tommy Stevens? You know, they, they didn't throw the ball all that well with Schrader, the true freshman um when he was in the, on the field, a few completions, but none in the fourth quarter when they had to have it. So whether or not Tommy Stevens is healthy really swings that game one way or the, or the other. And, and, I mean, that's really a, a true statement. Also at 3 o'clock on the SEC Network, on the alternate channel, it's South Carolina at Missouri. 
Missouri a big old favorite in this game. How about that? So South Carolina put up a fight against Alabama last week in Columbia. Missouri is 2-1. They're at home. They're the team that lost to Wyoming. South Carolina is 1-2. Neither team ranked 3 o'clock SEC Network. Again, Missouri a big old favorite over South Carolina. So that one's going on at 3 o'clock. And then you have that weird thing where, like I talked about it when the news came out a couple of weeks ago, at 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network, Arkansas is going to host San Jose State. Yeah, Arkansas is 2-1. Their only loss is to Ole Miss. They haven't looked great, but they're 2-1. And And they're playing on the SEC Network channel at 6.30 in primetime against San Jose State, a game that nobody wants to see because opposite, opposite at that same time, basically, at 7 o'clock kickoff on CBS primetime is Notre Dame at Georgia, the game we kind of talked a little bit about today, and we'll preview it further the next few days. Notre Dame ranked seventh, Georgia ranked third, depending on what poll you look at. But that's going to be the CBS doubleheader. So Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, and Jamie Erdahl are your announcers for that one. So you've kind of got the the SEC 230 crew doing a primetime game on CBS on Saturday night. So it's a little bit of an unusual television schedule. Who you have? Notre Dame or Georgia? Here's what a few people thought. This is Paul Feinbaum on ESPN. Jake Fromm is a really good quarterback. He, he may not get the credit from the pundits uh, to be in the upper echelon, but he is really good. And two years ago in, in, in South Bend was his coming out party. Remember, he replaced Eason. That was his first big start. Uh, they, they, have, they have dynamic players uh, in the backfield and Swift. Uh, they have a young group of wide receivers. Which- uh, anyway, he thinks Georgia's going to win. Here's Greg McElroy. I look at, at Notre Dame, and I think they're very good and extremely well coached. I love Ian Book. I expect him to get his yards to the air. I just don't love what they have at running back right now, and I don't think they're going to be able to put together a real balanced attack. So uh, I have my doubts about Notre Dame being able to keep it real close. I think Georgia should win the game comfortably. I know. That's- How about that? He thinks Georgia should win the game comfortably. How about that? And so they played in 2017, right? They played in 2017, and it was like a one- or a two-point game. Both teams were under 20 points. I could look it up in there. I'm sure there are notes. It was a really close game. Georgia just barely won it out there uh, in South Bend. Greg McElroy says Georgia's going to win this thing comfortably in Athens. What do you think? I kind of feel the same way too, but I thought Georgia would win comfortably the last time they played, and they didn't. So, change of venue this time around. All right, enjoy the show. Hope you did too. We're going to get ready to hit a home run with you tomorrow on Thursday, and I'll see Roger face-to-face. We'll take your phone calls and yap it up for a couple of hours again. We'll do it all over again in the Farm Bureau studio. So, see you then tomorrow. See ya. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.